So we're in a series called This Is Us, and we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, we're in week three, talking about who we are as a church, our vision, our heart, our passion. I want to welcome both of our campuses, Noonan and LaGrange. I want to say hello. Can we give our LaGrange campus a big round of applause this morning? Also, many of you worship with us on Facebook Live. I want to say welcome to you as well. So glad that you could join us today. So in the series, uh, we've been talking about who we are and kind of where we're going. It kind of defines us. In the first week, we talked about how every church has the same mission, but each church has a unique vision, right? The mission is the Great Commission. We're here to make disciples. We're here to take the good news of Jesus Christ to the ends of the earth, to all people. And that for us as a church, uh, we express that in four specific ways. I want to take you back to that real quick. For us, here's what everything is about. Reaching South Atlanta, one relationship at a time through gospel, grace, growth, and generosity. And so last week we talked about the gospel, the power of the gospel. What is the gospel, right? The gospel means good news. It's the idea that we are to go and tell the whole world there's good news that God is reconciling men's hearts to himself and that he loves you. And also the good news is that God's pursuing people, right? So there's no person that we will ever lock eyes with that God is not loving, that God is not pursuing with his heart. And, uh, but today I want to kind of take things out of order a little bit. I want to move on from talking about the gospel and I want to talk about the idea of growth. Okay. So look at your neighbor real quick and say, it's time to grow up. Can you say that? Say it's time to grow up. So I was thinking about this the other day because growing up for some of us are hard to do, is hard to do. Right. And, um, I grew up in a generation where they opened these line of toy stores called Toys R Us. Anyone remember getting toys at Toys R Us when you were younger? Yeah. And they had this slogan, I don't want to grow up. I'm a, I'm a Toys R Us kid. And I don't know if you realize that, but I started thinking, wow, I don't have to grow up. I can go to Toys R Us till I'm 27 and buy toys if I want. And, and I realized this about life. Growing older doesn't always mean you grow up. Because what I've learned is as you get older, the toys just get more expensive. Can I get an amen? Yeah. I was watching a guy hook up his two wave runners the other day and I said, those are nice toys you have. You know, and I've been praying for that red Camaro now for about eight years and the price tag's not getting any lower in my life. Uh, it doesn't matter you, how much you grow older, growing up is an intentional decision. I started thinking about this. So think about it. When you're two, how differently the world looks than when you're 32 or 42 or 52. So like when you're two months old, like this is really cute when you're two months old. Okay. Oh, but when you're 32, this is awkward, right? So when you're two months old, like you go, oh, I wish they would just stay that way until you change a few of these. And you're like, I pray they don't stay that way. And, and then they get to that point about age two and they move into one of these, right? You know what this is? Yeah, this is a, oh, I don't know why we think this is cute. Do we realize what people do in these things? Okay. Oh, that's so cute. Because you know what they're going to do in it, Okay. This pull up, but we get to this point when they're two and they're like, oh, this is so good. I no longer have to actually place the diaper on my child. My, my child can take a diaper and place it on themselves. And, and I'm a big kid. Look what I can do. I can wear big kid pants too. And I can pull them off and on. Wow, mommy. Yeah, I'm a big kid now. Right? Some of you go, okay, that's cute when you're two, but when you're 32, it's not very cute. And, and it's even worse because if you're 82, um, this is your destiny. <laughs> it's just a little larger, okay? 
but it serves the same function. So growing up, it's just a natural part of life. And I started thinking about this too. You know, when you're a baby, these are the type of food uh, that you eat. Like they, they literally give you things that when you put it in, it looks the same way when it comes out. And that's kind of odd to me because I don't know about you. I think I would go for a steak. Um, And I started thinking about this too, like a baby, like you give them a bottle and they're like, wow, a baby just craves that bottle, right? And they want that bottle and whatever you put in that bottle, which they hope is milk, uh, that, but that baby can have, you know, everything they need. And then you get real excited because your kid moves up to one of these, right? The sippy cup right? Whoever invented this is a millionaire genius. But this is a sign that your kid is growing up because suddenly this no longer, it looks odd when they're five years old and they're still sucking on this, right? But they carry one of these around and of course half of it spills in your minivan. Can I get an amen, mom? And, uh, and all of a sudden this is great. And this is great when you're four and five, but when you're 35, it's awkward. You don't go into the restaurant and say, can I get a sippy cup? So I love what they've done because as we've grown, we realize that they are now adult sippy cups. <laughs> and they cost lots of money, right? Like this one's guaranteed to keep it cold all day long. And I keep thinking, we were meant to grow. Like it's a natural process of a living organism to grow. And, and, and even think about this, like when you start eating, like remember when your parents gave you one of the spoons with the rubber thing, you know, it's like plastic so that you wouldn't like hurt yourself or your other siblings. And, and you would, that you would put that in your kid's hand and they would go and then suddenly it would wear itself on the wall. Um, all that eating opportunity, but this is great when you're two, but when you're 32, this is what you want. You need a bigger spoon. Why? Because you've learned to feed yourself. Like, how awkward would it be today if I said, hey, who wants to eat something? And I came up here and I spoon fed you, okay? That would be awkward today. Because most of us say the goal is to grow to a place in our life where we can learn to feed ourselves. And that is the goal. That is God's goal for our life. Growth is the natural process of a living organism. Every year, your body gets rid of millions of cells and grows and reproduces millions of cells. If that process isn't happening normally in your physical body, you are physically sick. The same is true in our life spiritually. You see, I believe the day we give our life to Christ, Jesus takes us where we are, but he doesn't want to leave us that way. So I want to say this to you. If you're new to faith or you're just checking out the whole Jesus thing today, I I want to give you this statement today. Jesus wants everyone to come as you are. All your messes, all your hangups, all your junk, but he loves you too much to leave us that way. And I'm very thankful for that, right? I don't know about you. When I was a new believer, there were lots of things I didn't understand about my spiritual life that I was like a spiritual baby at times but I'm glad that Jesus didn't leave me that way. Jesus wants me to grow. He wants me to grow. What does spiritual growth look like? If it's different than natural growth, we know that we should grow to a certain height, that we should have a certain weight, that, that, that our bodies have a capacity to feel, that our shoes need to be filled with the size of our feet. But what does spiritual growth look like? First of all, we gotta understand this big 50 cent word, justification. The day that you and I gave our life to Christ, we experienced justification. Jesus put us in right standing with God just as if we had never sinned before. And it separated us from the penalty of sin, right? We got salvation, we got delivered. The second part is what we're gonna talk about today, sanctification, which means it separates us from the power of sin. 
which means that because the penalty of sin is gone and Jesus Christ now lives inside of us, we ought to be becoming more like him, less like us, less like our old self and more like the new self that God created us to be. And then there's this last one that one day we'll all experience. Glorification will separate us from the presence of sin forever. As long as we are here on this earth, we are gonna deal with the problem of sin in our world. But because of sanctification, we don't have to live under the power of it. You see, some of you grew up in churches where it was more about behavior management. Just behave well, and that means you're growing spiritually. Now, I don't believe that. I believe that Jesus Christ saved us so that we would grow into him and become something we could never become on our own. So Jesus tells us how we can do that. We're gonna talk about that today. You see, many of us think spiritual growth is a place that we arrive at. Like it's a place of maturity. In fact, let me say this, spiritual growth is a lifetime journey. It's not a level of maturity. The Bible says in the book of Acts that these men who had been with Jesus were unschooled and ordinary. That doesn't sound very mature. But Jesus was in them and they tore the world upside down for the gospel. So it's not about how mature you are. It's where are you in your spiritual growth journey? Where are you? We're all on a spiritual growth journey. Some of you haven't even given your life to Christ yet. And yet Jesus is pursuing you and he wants you to get on page with him in this journey. And he wants to come into your life. He wants to change you. It's not a level of maturity. It's a lifetime journey. It's kind of like that pinwheel that you get on your phone when it's loading. And you know that it's not done yet, that the app hasn't come up yet, that the internet is not on yet. And we hate that because that means that something is still loading. Guess what? You and I spiritually, we are still loading. And the day that we think we've arrived, it's really just evidence that we're stuck spiritually. None of us in this room have achieved the place of spiritual growth that God wants us to be at. But the good news is God wants to get us there. So in John chapter 15, if you have your Bible, turn over there real briefly. Jesus goes to some of his followers and he says some pretty profound things. Sometimes Jesus would just teach straight up. Sometimes he would teach parables. And then a lot of times he would use an allegory or an illustration to illustrate something because the people understood exactly what he meant. John chapter 14, Jesus explains that he's gonna go away and that the Holy Spirit's gonna come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, all these amazing things are gonna happen in us because it's actually to our advantage that Jesus go away and the Holy Spirit come live inside of us, right? Jesus couldn't be but one place at once. Now Jesus can be everywhere at once. So he explains this to them in John 14, but then because he understands the people he's talking to, he gives them an, an analogy of what it's like to have the Holy Spirit in you. And the analogy is one of spiritual growth. That when Jesus comes and lives inside of you, something changes and you begin to grow. You see, spiritual growth is about who you are connected with. Not what you know up here, but who you're connected to. And Jesus said this very plainly. Look what he said in John 15, 16. He said, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit. Everyone say bear fruit. So that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. 
So Jesus goes on this deal because remember, they were an agrarian society. They knew what it was like to grow things. We don't know what it's like to grow things. We go to Walmart and when they're out of our favorite head of lettuce, we go to the store manager, right? These people, they didn't have Walmart. They would go to their fields and they would watch things grow over and over again. And they would see a seed that was planted and whatever seed would plant it is grow. And so here's what Jesus said. When you boil your life down, I want you to do one thing because your life has one major purpose. And here it is, to bear fruit. To bear fruit. You say, why on earth am I here? Am I just here because Jesus didn't want to come get me yet? Kind of like my parents when I was 14 at the skating rink. Am I just here to take up space? Am I just here to take up oxygen? Jesus said it this way. He said, I chose you. And then he says, and I appointed you, which is a powerful word, that you might go and bear fruit. Big question today. How fruity are you? You say, the person I'm sitting next to is real fruity. Listen, the one purpose of why we're still here is to bear fruit. And the purpose of bearing fruit is so that other people can live. I love it. Think about it. God, from the very beginning, before he ever left the earth, Jesus told us why we are to remain on this earth. We are to grow and bear fruit. Our lives are to bear fruit. Now, the good thing about that is this. We can't produce the fruit. You see, when you start thinking you can produce spiritual fruit in your life, all you're showing us is that you are spiritually wrong because that would be self-righteousness. Hey, look what I can do in my own strength. But the good news is, as Jesus told us in John 15, if you go back and we're gonna do that, this is how fruit happens, my life in you. So think about it this way. The God of the universe who tomorrow will make one of the coolest things happen, a solar eclipse, right? How many of you guys are excited about solar eclipse? All right. I remember looking up and staring at it um, without glasses back in the day. It was not good. But But the truth is this, the God who put all of this in place, he sends all of himself and puts himself in humanity called Christ. Jesus lives 33 years, dies on a cross, goes into the ground, raises on the third day, 40 days later, ascends to be with the Father. The Holy Spirit comes down. Now it's Jesus in us. And here's what he's saying. This is the life that you should have. And this is why you should grow. How in the world could the God of the entire universe live inside my heart through the Holy Spirit and I not grow? It's inevitable. Growth is the natural outcome of being connected to the source of life. So Jesus, he goes back a little bit and he teaches us these principles. The first one is this, spiritual growth is not, or excuse me, spiritual growth is the result of a personal relationship with someone, not a practical knowledge of something. See, religion says if you know all these things, then they make you right with God. Christianity says, if you know Jesus, Jesus made you right with God. Spiritual growth happens as a result of knowing someone, not attaining to know something. So it's not how many books you've read. It's not how many years you've even sat in church. I know people that have sat in church that are no further in their spiritual journey. Why? Because they've made it about practicing religion instead of knowing Jesus. Jesus. 
but it's about knowing Jesus. And Jesus illustrates this in John 15, five. Look what he says. He says, I'm the vine. Who's the vine? Who's the vine? Jesus. We're not the vine. He says, I'm the vine. You're the branches. You ever feel like we get that mixed up? That we tell God how we want to grow? (laughs) I've done that before in my life. You're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That's a promise. That is a declaration by Jesus that speaks to our destiny. If you stay connected to me, you are going to grow and you are going to bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. When Jesus gave those words, what he was saying is spiritual growth happens as a result of staying connected to me, not trying to figure all this out intellectually. You know, the other thing Jesus taught us here, he taught us this, pruning is a natural process of the growth process. Pruning is a natural part of the growth process. This is the part of growth we don't like because here's what we think. I'm gonna give my life to Jesus. He's gonna forgive my sins. Everything's gonna be awesome. I'm never gonna go through a problem again. And then one day I'm gonna die and go to heaven and I'm never gonna struggle with the line at Walmart anymore. It's just gonna be awesome. I just, that, that's what we think the Christian life is. But Jesus is making it clear to his followers. I'm gonna come live inside of you through the Holy Spirit. And then as I begin to produce fruit in your life, I'm going to prune you because pruning is part of the process. You see, I have these bushes at my house. You know what the knockout rose bushes are? You know what I'm talking about. They're huge in Georgia. They like literally grow the size of like your house. And they put off these amazing blooms and it makes the whole backyard smell good, but they get so high and so strangly that all of a sudden you start realizing that it's choking out all of the growth. So you got to go back there with your little snippers deals and you got to climb them on down and you literally cut off all of the buds and then your neighbors, you kind of have this feeling that they're looking at you like, they don't even look like shrubs anymore. They look horrible. You see, pruning doesn't make sense to us in our life. Why would God allow certain things for us to go through to grow us? But here's what Jesus said. Jesus said it this way. He said, for every, he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. So let me ask you a question. Are there areas in your life that there's no spiritual fruit and you're still trying to hang on saying, God, can I keep this dead limb? While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Can I, can I just kind of draw the conclusion for you real quick? Some of you are going through some things in your life that are very hard. Like, why am I going through this financial difficulty? Why am I going through this parenting crisis? Why, am I, why is God allowing me to go through this sifting process at my work? Why, why is this happening in my life? And we're asking God all these why questions. And what God is saying is, don't you trust me that I am the perfect gardener? That I look at your life and I see branches that have no fruit and I cut them off. And then I have branches that have good fruit, but I know that if I prune that area of your life, it will produce much fruit. So pruning is a natural part of the growth process. It's the process of pruning that's critical to growth. What happens is if you don't prune, eventually all of those limbs in there will begin to choke each other out and all of them will be fighting for all the nutrients. And then suddenly you realize I am stuck but it's through pruning that we grow. So let me say it this way. If God is pruning you, he's not punishing you, he's preparing you. 
Someone needs to hear that today. Someone here, someone on Facebook, you need to hear that today. Because you're going through something and you say, God, why are you cutting this away? God, why are you cutting this back in my life? God, why am I dealing with this? Why are we going through this? Why is this happening? God says, I just thought you wanted to really grow. I just thought that you wanted to spend the rest of your life really producing fruit. Because if you'll let me cut this back in your life, Sean, you'll bear much fruit. You will bear much fruit. God's not punishing you. He's preparing you. He realizes that the progress is what leads to your life change. Trust the process. Don't fight God in the process. I've learned in my life many times the level of growth that will be determined in my life is in direct proportion to the amount of pruning I will allow God to do. Some of you go, I don't feel like I'm growing spiritually. Well, where are you letting him prune you? Right? I mean, we want to change the world. We just don't want God to change us. God's going to change us if he's going to change our world. When God changes us, when he prunes us, it will change our world. I think God's pruning the American church. I think he's saying, hey, do you really want to be about the source of growth or do you want to be about all these other things? At Southcrest, we say it all the time. We want people to grow. Why? Because when we grow, our lives will bear fruit and other people will be blessed. It's not for our consumption. It's for the world. In fact, let me say this. The only reason the local church exists is for the world. We don't exist so we can come in here and find more comfort. We exist so that God can send us out to change the world we live in. We are the light of the world. We are the salt of the earth. We were never meant to be stayed inside of a flashlight or inside of a salt shaker. We were meant to be sent out to the world. If you believe that, say amen. I believe that. That's why we're here. And that's why God wants us to grow. He prunes us so that we will grow and produce more fruit. What does that fruit look like? Because we talk about that idea of growth looking like bearing fruit. Well, Galatians 5, Paul tells us what it looks like. He gives us a list of characteristics. And here's what he says. He says, here's the fruit of the Spirit. When the Spirit of God is living in you and you are growing, here is the fruit that you and I should be destined to bear. Joy, love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. But every time we try to produce these in and of ourselves, apart from the source of Jesus Christ and our relationship with him, you know what happens? We get frustrated. Here's how I know that. Because some of you will get up on a Tuesday morning and you will pray this audacious prayer. Lord, would you please give me more patience today? And you will get in your car and you will get on I-85 and God's gonna give you more patience. And you're gonna be mad at God and the person who cuts you off. We say, God, I want to understand and have more kindness in my life. I want the fruit of kindness in my life. And you know what you're going to find? You're going to find the most unkind person at the store. And God's going to say, do you want me to produce that in your life or were you just kind of teasing because the way God produces this, this fruit in us is through the Holy Spirit being able to work in us. And what's crazy is this. If you look at all of these fruits of the Spirit, you know what they go back to? Our relationship with Jesus, not our relationship with self. I don't have it in myself to have self-control. I don't have it in myself 
to always be faithful. But when I'm in relationship with Jesus, this is the fruit that God says we would bear. I love it. Think about it this way. Love, it's the relationship with Jesus. Joy, it's the result of the relationship we have with Jesus. Peace, it's the result of the correct relationship we have with Jesus. Patience, it's the maintenance of the relationship. Kindness, it's the attitude of the relationship. Goodness, it's the outpour blessing of the relationship. Faithfulness, it's the means of the relationship. Gentleness, it's the submitted will in the relationship. And self-control, it's the control of the relationship. Everything flows not out of us, but out of the source, which is our relationship with Jesus Christ. The beautiful thing is all of that fruit flows. You know why? Because of the nature of the seed. The day you and I become a follower of Jesus Christ, God plants the seed of his life in us and we are meant to grow. We are meant to grow. So how do you grow? Now think about it. How do you grow? People think, oh, I know what you do. You come up with a list of 10 disciplines and then you try to adhere to those disciplines. Have you ever gone that approach before? Like your spiritual life becomes a checklist. Okay, this is my time I read Jesus Calling. This is my time I pray for my neighbor who keeps throwing baseballs over in my yard. This is the time that uh, I pray for my kid's teacher. And, and, And Jesus becomes a checklist to you. And the idea is the more disciplined I am to the checklist, the more spiritually mature I must gonna be become in my life. But it doesn't happen. How do we grow? I wanna take you to one scripture and then we're gonna close. If you have your Bible, turn over to 1 Peter chapter two. Peter walked with Jesus. He would have been there to hear John 14 speaking about the Holy Spirit that would come live inside of him. He would have heard Jesus give the allegory and the analogy of him being the the vine and us being the branches and the source of bearing fruit and growth in our life comes with being connected to him. He would have heard every bit of this. So when Jesus is gone, Peter, in one of his epistles, writes to us about how we can grow and how we can get to a point in our life where we are truly bearing fruit because Jesus is producing it in our lives. And I love this because think about it. Peter followed Jesus, Jesus was with him, and then suddenly Jesus was taken up and gone and he says, go wait in Jerusalem and when the Holy Spirit comes, I'm gonna come live inside you. He experiences Pentecost and suddenly, what was Peter like with Jesus in him? He was unstoppable. So think of the framework before he wrote these words. 1 Peter chapter two. He says, therefore, rid yourself of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it, you may grow up. Everyone say grow up. All right, everyone wants to grow up, that you may grow up in your what? Your salvation. What does that mean? That means that when you and I meet Jesus, we're like an infant, but we're not meant to stay that way. We're not meant to spend our life in spiritual pull-ups. We're not to spend our life with a plastic spoon with someone putting it in our mouth. We're supposed to grow up in this thing that saved us, the salvation that we have. Now that you've tasted and seen that the Lord is Good. So go back real quick. What is the word therefore, therefore? Think about it. He says, therefore, 
since this has happened, this is what you're to do. If you turn back one chapter, he tells us what the therefore is there for. He says, for you've been born again. That means you and I have a new identity, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. How have we been born again? That Jesus Christ put his life inside of us and through the living and enduring word of God. It's not through our spiritual actions. It's through what he did in us. And then go back to the verse real quick. He says, because this is true, because you are new, because you have a new identity, because Christ lives in you and the seed that's been put in you will never die out. This is how you grow. He says, therefore, rid yourself of all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. There's two things he tells us in this one passage that we've got to do if we're going to grow. The first one is this. We need to get rid of. Anybody here declutter their house once a year, twice a year? Some of you need to declutter your house every month, okay? How many of you live for neighborhood garage sales? Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's a terrible death to die. Um, that's why I thank God for the goodwill. <laughs> yes. I want to say this to you. Peter said, if you're going to grow up in this salvation that you and I've received, there's some things that you and I have to get rid of. Now, every time we have a garage sale, we go through this process of sifting of, no, that really means a lot to me. We can't get rid of that. You know, that's a gum wrapper from eighth grade when we were at the skating rink or, you know, there's things that you just don't want to get rid of. But you know what he's really saying? There are things in our life, if we don't get rid of, they will hinder our spiritual growth. But look what he tells us to get rid of. Go back to the verse real quick. In the verse, he says, here's what you're to get rid of. You need to get rid of malice. You need to get rid of deceit. You need to get rid of hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. It's crazy because think about it. Peter was definitely someone who was out there. Every time Jesus told him to do something, he would do it four times over. Hey, Peter, get out of the boat and walk towards me. Here I come, Jesus. I mean, he's just jumping out of the boat running. And they'd pull him in by a rope because he'd start to drown, right? He was an out there type of guy, but here's what he knew. There's things in our life that if we're going to grow, there's things in our life we've got to keep out of our life. And look at all four of these, malice, deceit, hypocrisy, envy, slander of every kind. They're all matters of the heart. In some translations, instead of saying get rid of, it says rid yourselves. Or some translations, it says put away. Put away the things that don't align with your new identity. This is who I used to be. I used to be a person of rage. I don't have to live that way anymore. I used to be a person that I would always one-up everyone because I would slander them because by slandering them, it made me feel better about me. I don't have to live in envy. I don't have to live in pride anymore. Why? Because I have a new identity. And what he's saying is this, put away the things that don't align with your new identity because all of these things can hinder your growth. See, a couple of years ago, I remember I was talking to a trainer at the gym and they were saying, hey, how much working out are you doing? And I was telling them how many days I was lifting and how many days I was running. And, and, and then they asked me the question that I hate when they ask you this. So what's your diet like? I said, excuse me, did you say die? Oh, no, you said diet. <laughs> Yeah, any word that has the word die in it should be banned. So diet is, should be banned. And, and what they were saying is this. This is what every good personal trainer knows. This is the secret sauce. You can't out-train a bad diet, right? 
I mean, you can go to the gym and do CrossFit until your arms fall off. You can burpee your way through 50 minutes of craziness. You can do all this stuff. But if you get in your car and you go straight to McDonald's and straight in the drive-thru and order three Big Macs and two large fries, you can't out-train that. This is what Peter said. God destined you to grow. And the first way to you growing is to get rid of anything that's standing in the way of your growth. And these matters of the heart, malice, anger, envy, it's choking out the life that Jesus put in you by the seed of his word. So he says, get rid of. And then the second thing he says, he says, he says, crave. What are we to crave? He says, crave like newborn infants crave. Now, I don't know a whole lot about how this whole re thing happens in a baby's life, but it seems like it becomes real natural for a baby that they want one thing and they crave that one thing and everything else, because I don't know about you, I can't imagine a parent taking a bottle and instead of putting milk, they say, hey, I'm gonna fake my kid out. I'm gonna put in some lemon lime Gatorade. And they put it in the bottle and hand it to the kid. You know what the kid does? Get that out of my mouth. I want some milk. I want some pure milk. And this is what Peter was saying. Like newborn infants crave the pure milk of God's word. You know what God's word is? It's truth. Truth. See, that's challenging in our culture because we have a lot of things that aren't true that we are consuming in our life. But he said this, if you are going to grow up, you got to get rid of some things because they don't apply to your new identity. And then he says, you've got to begin to crave. And then he says, crave like a newborn infant craves pure spiritual milk. As you taste the milk of God's word, you will begin to grow up in your salvation. I love Toys R Us. But I want to tell them they're wrong. I do want to grow up. I don't want to spend my life as a Toys R Us kid. Spiritually, when I'm 55, I don't want to think the same way I thought when I was 18. Through repentance, I want to have a new mind and a new heart. Because that's what Jesus promised us, that as we crave him, as we get rid of these things, we will grow up in our salvation. And let me remind you of what that word salvation means. It means to be delivered from something to someone. Some of us in our lives, there are things we've given our life to Christ and we're still not delivered of the thing Jesus saved us and wants to deliver us of. And you know why? We're craving the wrong things. We're craving the wrong things. What are you getting rid of so that new growth can happen? And then secondly, what are you craving? Like I said, that baby will only take the milk, the pure milk that's given to it. Why? Because that's what it craves. So I'm gonna give you a little homework because last week I asked you to go home and share your testimony online and hashtag this is my story, which by the way, if you haven't done that, I encourage you to go do that. I want you to sit down this week and look at how much time you spend on social media and ask this question. Some of you are already laughing at me when I say this. What would my life look like if I craved God's word more than I craved social media? 
What if every day you just turned off your phone and your device for 15 minutes and you just opened God's word and you spent 15 minutes reading God's word and all you said was this, God, what are you saying to me and what do you want me to do about it? Oh, Sean, that's too simple. That's too old school, man. People don't think that way anymore. You know what the world's waiting on? The world is waiting on us as Christians to start bearing fruit. The more people I talk to who aren't believers in Christ aren't mad at the church because of our stance on the gospel. They're mad at the church because they see a lot of bad fruit. Some of you know what I'm talking about. People say, I'm not going to go to church. All they're going to do is judge me. Why would I, if I want to be judged, I go to Planet Fitness. If I want to be judged, I go to the grocery store. Why do I want to pick another place? You, you know why? Because they don't see fruit. What would happen if we let the source of Jesus in us start to produce fruit in us because we're getting rid of things that God never intended for us to live with anyway and start craving what he says we were made for, pure spiritual milk, his word, and we start growing in our faith and suddenly we start producing fruit? You know what? This is what's going to happen. The world is going to look at us and say, oh, Jesus in a person means that that person will be like Jesus. Look at how humble she is. Look at how kind he is. Everyone at work hates his guts. They talk about him. They, they, they want him fired. They, 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 you know, they want to slit his tires. Look at how kind he is. How in the world does he pull that off? And he's just out there hanging fruit. See, I'm convinced what the world needs is they need Christians who are willing to bear fruit. Because when the world comes to us and they squeeze us, you know what should come out of us? Jesus. I've been at this for 30 years. I talk to people all the time and and listen, I, I I will pray for you when it comes to your problems in your life. I promise you I will. But I want to lovingly tell you this. There's a point in your life that God wants to grow you, that when the circumstances of life squeeze you, you rejoice because that means Jesus comes out of you. That's what the world's waiting to see. We can shout and sing songs. We can go build a fresh water well somewhere. But I really just think the world wants to see fruit. Where's your joy? Where's your kindness? Where's your compassion? When we start producing fruit, and I believe Jesus destined us to do it, you know what I think is going to happen? I think the world's going to take notice. I think life is going to come off of our life because the whole purpose of producing fruit is not so that I can eat more, but so that people around me can live. We become a source of spring for others to come and drink from. That's our real purpose in life.